Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Wrestling Mindset. Wrestling mindset, wrestling mindset. We're back with a great Olympic recap. Olympic week, it only happens once every four years, in this case, every three years. We're here with Jeff Zanetti, Jay Cunner, and yours truly, Gene Zanetti. Excited to talk about the Olympics. Hey, I got to say, I'm sleep deprived, but I'm not upset about it. I've been going to bed every night at about 1 a.m. and waking up at 5.15 a.m. to watch wrestling for the last three or four nights. So I've been sleeping on the couch a little bit, but I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Yeah, family, family holidays, Olympics, and kids are about the only reason to lose a bunch of sleep on a weekly basis, but I'll do it once every four years. That's right. So let's start with the elephant in the room. What happened to Kyle Dake? What happened? Well, for the first time I've ever seen, Kyle Dake got teched, which is extremely unusual for somebody that's as defensively powerful, um, which we saw in multiple of his other matches. So... I mean, first, the tech is a lot of people talking. Uh, the Belarusian came out of uh, seemingly, seemingly left field, but then he went out there and beat Chimizo next. So, obviously, a very, very talented stud wrestler to beat somebody like Chimizo that's a couple-time world champ. And the elephant in the room, if you're Jordan Burroughs and you're sitting there calling the match you're announcing, what in the world are you thinking? Watching guys that you beat. Or, and guys you lost to then go on and not, you know, pan out in the same way. We're not saying didn't pan out a bronze medalist. I mean, Kyle Dick. And we know that if he was up another weight, you know, maybe Taylor doesn't have a spot. Being 7-0 against Taylor in all likelihood. And in that case, that opens up another question of what does Dick do in this next quad? I mean, I'm inclined to think, hey, if you're Kyle Dick, go up. Go up and wrestle Taylor. Because that's that was a big cut. You didn't see him moving his feet in the first two matches. First matches, he, first two matches barely took any shots. And then the last two really started moving his feet like he was doing against Burroughs. So he, you know, he looked really good in his last match for the bronze medal against Chimizo. That was that was like vintage Dake. Just look really. He actually looked more offensive in that match even than usual. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where I remember Coach Reina when we were at Penn. He said that you can't put too much emphasis on any one match. You know, it happens sometimes. Unfortunately, it happened in the Olympics. 
so the biggest tournament of his life. But, you know, I think everyone knows that he's probably capable on another day of beating that opponent, you know, but I, I'm happy to see that he bounced back strong. I think it just shows another level of mental toughness for Kyle Dake, you know, to be able to, you know, bounce back. That's not an easy thing when you're when you're really there to win a gold medal and then you got to be two good opponents to take a to take a bronze medal. Um, happy to see him bounce back like that. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is why the Olympics is obviously so tough is even with a low scoring first round match, you know, he had a two hour way in before he had the Iranian. The Iranian was in an excellent position, maybe one of the best position wrestlers in the bracket. I mean, that guy did not move and really pushed Kyle Dake, even with a, you know, a four zero score to really have to wrestle and be on point the whole time. And then to turn around and wrestle the, the Belarusian, you know, not very long later, within about an hour, probably definitely sapped his strength. But uh, definitely coming down from 79 kilos to 74, looked like he was a little bit of a different wrestler in that uh, after that two-hour weigh-in. Yep, a two-hour weigh-in has a big impact. But when things don't go your way, you get the next best thing, right? And we saw that happen with, with Dake. It happened with Gilman. It happened with Helen Maroulis. They really bounced back like champions. Gilman, I mean, as close as he could have been to beating the, uh, the Olympic champ, uh, he, j- he looked awesome all tournament. It just came up a little short. So to come back and dominate the next two matches to win a bronze medal testament to his his mental fortitude as well yeah cool thing is the burroughs knows these guys so when he's that iranian burroughs knew that was going to be a tough match that he's real stocky is going to be tough to move around tough to get under so it's interesting hearing him commentate he might have a career in this you could tell when he's he seems very comfortable behind the microphone you could you could hear the smile on his face as he's saying it and, and you could see him and john smith they love wrestling maybe that's the next topic moving right along to John Smith's commentating, does not care, coaches the guy while he's out there, and he's just, people, I mean, people are commenting on that big private text message thread for the women's Olympic team that Terry Steiner wrote that USA Wrestling said is the number one Olympic blog right now that I'm a part of. They, everyone's going through what are their favorite John Smith quotes, and it's blowing up on Twitter. He's great. He's funny. He's a wealth of knowledge and, you know, he's not trying to take on a new career. So I don't think he cares if they uh, if they don't have him back. So he's speaking pretty candidly out there. And um, he's funny. He's just he's always always a pleasure to listen to. But but from time to time, he checks in with Burroughs. If you notice, he's like, wouldn't you say, Jordan, (laughs) a couple times said, wouldn't you say, Jordan? So they um, yeah, they're a great tag team because you see they really know wrestling, the king of the single leg and the king of the double leg. And um. Man, that guy came to wrestle the Georgian, who are the Belarusian rather, and then beating Chimizo. I thought it was just going to be his tournament, but Sidakov in the finals is just tough. You could see he could scramble, and even 40 seconds left in the match, up 5-0. Remember the mistake the Russian made last year, or the last Olympics, when he when he lost to Yazdani. The guy had a 6-0 lead. The Russian at Gaduev had a 6-0 lead against Yazdani going into the half. Pumped the brakes. Yazdani got a takedown with 30 seconds left to win it. This guy didn't have any of that. He did the opposite of what Kaduev did. Five nothing lead, forty seconds left. Shoots in again and takes him down. So Sidakov came to wrestle. Uh, you know, the other elephant in the room is we know he had a much easier side on the bracket when Chimizo and the Belarusian and um, Dake are all battling it out up top. But that's how it is. That's the draw. Look at the two guys from. Maybe we move right along then into the the guys the domestic wrestling overseas, and that's Bexod and. And Franklin Gomez, training partners over at Nittany Lions Wrestling Club. How many times have we all been through this, either in a wrestle-off against our best friend, um, wrestling club partner or teammate, or in our case, wrestling each other for a spot <laughs> at Penn? I didn't even think about that as I was talking about. I wrestled uh, my, my other 
uh, best friend Marcello works thus wrestling mindset over Rutgers. And it's, um, man, you could wrestle with anyone at any time. And now with the domestics. Yep. Yep. It was pretty cool to see those guys have success, right? Bexod took a bronze medal. Miles Amin. I mean, what do you guys think about that? So domestic wrestlers wrestle, having the opportunity to wrestle overseas, getting it done, which is pretty cool to see. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I think, you know, it provides opportunities that are going to make American wrestling denser and um, more competitive, you know, at the high school and college level. I mean, it's great wrestlers showing that, like, we can place at multiple weights, which, you know, really up until maybe the last few uh, cycles, Russia has has traditionally been the exporter of great wrestlers. The Dagestani, right, are obviously heading over to Belarusia, like in Dake's weight, and multiple other countries and and seeing success. I think it's I think it's good for the U.S. You know, um, another one that we didn't mention was Mitchich, right? Top seed at uh, 57 kilos. Unfortunately, didn't have the uh, the tournament that he would have wanted, I'm sure. But um, I think it just shows that the, the high quality of, of U.S. wrestling and the fact that uh, we can create that kind of success, even with other countries, is definitely going to be a good thing for college rooms. I mean, who wouldn't want a Franklin Gomez to be able to come in and roll around with some of your college or your local guys and, and, and have success? I think Gomez is on his third Olympics, isn't he? I think so. My thoughts on that is if you have the opportunity, take it. We were trying to convince our younger brother when he was in Italy studying to be a priest. We're like, you should try out for the – he was training with the Italian national team. Like, you should try out for the Olympics. But he didn't – he didn't take the bait. He was training partner of Abraham Cognetto, just lost to – I mean, Snyder dominated him, let's face it. But he was still in the Olympic quarterfinals. And Greg he's, was training – He's going for bronze. He's, he's in the repetrage now, so he's got to win two, two medals – two matches to win a bronze medal. So – He's still in the hunt, too. But, yeah, I think it's one of those things you have the opportunity to take it. And then, I mean, they seize the opportunity. They both look awesome. Really yeah. happy for the Amin family. Great family. You know, just, what's that? It's Miles yeah. Amin, Michigan. Yeah, it's pretty – and, and it's, it's interesting because uh, in the world, Abinader has been wrestling for Lebanon, right? So Michigan actually has three guys that in the last couple of years have been wrestling for foreign countries. You know, Miles Amin for San Mar Marino – Mitchich for Serbia and then Abinader for uh, for Lebanon. So what's going on on up in Michigan that they're creating these great wrestlers for uh, for these other countries it just speaks to their excellence, but uh, their ability to create champions. Foreign coaches take a guy Sergey Belglass off in his corner. Miles, I mean, you have a foreigner coach, and not just any foreigner coach. We're talking a lot about like basically the Willie Mays of <laughs> of, of modern wrestlers. So and he's over there. I mean, look at Valentin Coleco, all the guys he brings over to the New York, New Jersey Regional Training Center. Those guys are going there because you have a great foreign coach. So we need to get around people the best in the world. And I guess the other elephant in the room there, I wasn't even thinking about this, but Nick Suriano, who beat both Michik and Thomas Gilman. Suriano might have been the best wrestler um, in our country. Hard to say. I mean, Gilman wrestled his butt off. I mean, maybe he doesn't beat him on this day, but maybe he does. And I, don't, I don't know that he ever beat Gilman, but, you know, he's definitely, he's definitely oh, yeah. right there. Yeah, I placed him. Yeah, he's definitely right there with him. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. It's crazy. When you look at other sports, you see multiple athletes, right? You see track. You see, I think Jamaica swept a certain event. Was it the one? No, not the 100, maybe the 200 meters, but it's like, you have opportunities and in wrestling it's six weight classes and that's it one guy per weight and then there's only 16 wrestlers in each bracket uh, i'd like to see him do full wrestlebacks i'd like to see him add more people more weight classes because let's face it sometimes you're just stuck in between a weight class 
you know, the James Green syndrome there, right? A little bit too big for 65, a little bit too small for 74. And, you know, I think the other thing it points to is I don't think it's a coincidence that we have American wrestlers now wrestling for other countries and we're having more success internationally than we've ever had. That depth, that wrestling high competition is definitely raising the bar across the board, which should just be an indicator for any young wrestlers like, Seek out that competition, right? You don't want to be ducking good wrestlers or avoiding the toughest competitions because it seems like in the U.S., as we get more depth, we have more success at the highest level and drives our best wrestlers to get better and raises the bar for, for those wrestlers on the, that are second, third, fourth, or even fifth on the Olympic ladder. That's right. The magic man. We got to go into the magic man next. David Taylor, one of our, one of our probably all of our favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, just embodies being aggressive and relentless from the opening whistle to the second whistle to the last whistle. He's just, he's awesome. I, one of my favorite matches, I was going to ask later, favorite matches. So I'll, I'll go with my favorite matches. I got obviously his Olympic finals, and then we just watched Gabe Stevenson in the, in the finals. That might have topped it. I think I would say that was my favorite match, Gabe Stevenson in the, in the finals. What do you guys have for best matches? And then we'll get back to, to the Magic Man. I mean, it's it's hard to not pick either Gable or uh, or, or Taylor for sure. You know, I, I think I'm going to go with Taylor just because I think all around, you know, he, he wrestled great. He was offensive the whole match, but it was also a back and forth. Yazdani has proven himself time and time again against some of the very best in the world. Uh, not that the um, the Georgian at, at 125 wasn't that same quality. He's, he's a stud as well, but I'm going to have to go with Taylor on this one, partly because I've been watching him fight through the ranks to be able to get this opportunity. It was great to see him get to go compete and, and pull it off and uh, with a little bit of drama as he wasn't winning the whole match. Unbelievable. It just shows the, the, the depth of the United States as well as the longevity of David Taylor and Kyle Dake being in it for so long. Because we know these are people who, if the Olympics fell in a different year or different weight classes, or if you were able, able to bring two or three people, like we were saying, wrestling being so much tougher than, than, than other sports. I mean, imagine if they had the Gable nine-minute match and then another, and then a separate was the half and half, three minutes, three minutes. And then they do the Terry Brands when it was five minutes straight, the matches in the Olympics. And then they had another event where it was the different periods, first period, second period, third period, you win two out of three, it's over. And then they have all the different weights they've had through the years. You'd have wrestlers who'd have an opportunity to win four or five gold medals. Imagine if you're Kyle Dake and you lose, and now you get to wrestle in, in, <laughs> in a, different, a different time, he probably wins. So it's it's crazy seeing those guys being able to stick around so long. Yeah. One thing David Taylor talked about is just staying in the moment and wanting to be where you are. And you would assume that would be the case, right? Wrestling in the Olympics, like this is where I want to be. There's nowhere in the world I would rather be. But but he was even saying there's so many wrestlers that just want to get it over with. It's like, I want this to be done. I want to have one already. But he talked about you got to want to be there. You got to be want to be in that moment. And then I see him running out in the gold medal match. Smile on his face, clapping his hands, like pumping his fist to the crowd, right? And just excited to compete. And it's like, that's a hard thing to do when you know that this is, you know, you can realize your dream in the next six to 10 minutes, right? And he's, he's smiling and he's going to have a tough match. He's wrestling an opponent that is going to be relentless as well. So, you know, I just think about mindset principle number one. I'm thankful for the opportunity to wrestle and Man, that guy loves it. We know they talk about that all the time in Penn State, right? Just gratitude, being thankful for for everything, being able to wrestle, being healthy for our coaches and our family. And I think he not only did he talk about it in the interview after he won, but he actually wrestled with gratitude. 
So that's a, a huge shout out to him and, and the supporting staff around him. I was afraid he might. I was afraid he might come out too excited. I mean, I figured he probably wouldn't because he probably learned the lesson from Dake. But in my mind, I immediately thought of that epic NCAA finals match where David Taylor came out fired up. Everyone knows what we're talking about here. Pumps his fist, ran out, took Dake down in the first three seconds or whatever it was, and then it's like, and then he kind of you know blew, you know, kind of blew not blew it, but he ran out of steam a little bit because he came out too fired up. I was like, I think he is going to want to really be in this Olympic finals match. Hopefully he's able to, you know, hold his horses there a little bit and settle in. Yeah. And Yazdani wrestled him totally different. He saw a completely different Yazdani. If you look at all the other matches, Yazdani was attacking, scoring on Taylor. He's every, I think he's not as good of a scrambler as Taylor, but he's every bit as slick as David Taylor. When they get into, when they get into it, he's able to, he's able to score um, he didn't do any of that. He just kept it close, which is probably the best thing he could have done for giving himself a chance to win. Yep. The other thing we thought about, we were talking about before the show, having an element of fun. Jake, who who embodied that during this competition and how? I think Tamara Mensa Stock, you know, bringing a karaoke machine. She knew what song she was going to be singing. I think it was uh, Mariah Carey's champion, you know, after she had won the, uh, the, the, the gold medal. I mean, it's such a big piece of, of sports that if you can make it fun, you know, even though you're trying to win, you're very competitive. It doesn't mean you're not taking it serious. It just takes a little bit of that pressure off you. And, uh, you know, I think most great athletes recognize that. I think she embodied that really well in a very unique way. And I, ju- I just love her as a representative of the U.S. You can just see her excitement and, and all, just her personality coming through. I mean, she is just a phenomenal role model. She wants to be a role model. She's very clear on that and just wrestles extremely well and brings in the element of fun with the karaoke machine that I think is just a, uh, a really enlightening piece of what is one piece of her success at the highest level. Yeah, her, her, interview, her interview after was definitely my favorite interview so far at the Olympics. Just a, just a genuine person, excited, you know, full of emotion. And um, I, I loved how she talked about this. They asked her, did you believe in your wildest dreams that you'd ever be an Olympic gold medalist? Yes, 100% yes. And she's not saying it in an arrogant way, but, you know, we all know that to achieve such a big dream, you have to believe it. You know, you got to believe it. It's not just going to fall in your lap. So I think they were trying to set her up to say, no, I could never, you know, fathom this in my wildest dreams. But, you know, she did. She she believed it. She said she prayed about it. It was something she knows she was going to have to work hard for. But, you know, you got to see it, believe it and achieve it, we always say. And that's, you know, I think she she definitely um, she did it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I loved one of the ways she said it was, you know, I, I knew it from, I think, 10th grade is when she said she believed in it. And then it was just the how do I make it happen piece, yep. right, which I think so many athletes are faced with. And, you know, I think there's a lot of answers to that. And there's a lot of pieces of that. But, um, you know, it's the follow through. A lot of people want something, right? A lot of people know that they're going to have to do something to do it. But it's that follow through day in and day out. And that's where that belief becomes so important, because if you, if you don't have that belief, you're not going to be as motivated to put in that that time and that energy over and you know an intervening what eight years for her or something like that in order to be able to make that happen. But uh, amazing amazing person and really glad to see her win the gold. And I think hard to say she's not one of the best pound for pound female wrestlers in the in the world right now. Yeah, beat out beat Adeline Gray in that whatever that super matchup they had before, who also wrestled unbelievable. And, and you know just to think about that faith. It's it's the people who are doing the best. They're talking about God. They're talking about their faith. It's just very clear there's a pattern. If you don't see it, you're blind, basically. Like, they're talking about something bigger than themselves. The other thing I'll say about Tamara is that she also brought up her country. So here's some, and and that's an important thing. 
because nowadays you see a lot of garbage and it's usually this we're not going to mention names but it's the same kind of the people who tend to be anti-country tend to also be anti-faith and what happens is you're seeing they're competing about themselves and them competing for themselves you're always more likely to do worse kenny monday spoke about this and we had our mindset our um meeting of the minds and he was saying that you know being about the team takes pressure off and that's not the reason why you're about the team. You're about the team because you're a decent human being, because you genuinely care about others. Focus on yourself. Do what you have to do to win. But folk, but it's about the team also. So she said she's so happy to be in America. She's not taking a knee and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's just a great thing. And and her and I think it's funny because at first you could say her interview is all over the map. But I think her being so much in the present moment, she laughed, she smiled, she cried, and she sang all in one interview. How only only Tamira Mensah stock, only her. Yeah, and it was funny on the stream I was watching for the Olympics. It's almost dead silent the whole time with no fans, and then one of Snyder's matches, the last ten seconds when he's winning, you start hearing USA get chanted, and I'm like, well, who is this chanting? There's no fans here, and then they pan up, and it's it's Adeline Gray and Tamara Mensah stock, and some of the other female wrestlers and some of the other male wrestlers that are finished, all chanting and excited. I think they got some flags and stuff. Just cool to see them, you know, again supporting their teammates. You know, they're not done. Um, I know some of the stories you read about the Olympic villages, the the mess or the partying that happens. And, you know, the day after they win gold or silver, they're out there cheering for their teammates, cheering for their country uh, in the sport they love, which I, I just think is a really cool, unique feature of uh, what, what, what happens. I'm going right. to give the heart too, because that's the other thing all the girls are doing. I think to me, I think that's more the element of fun. When I think about our mindset mm -hmm. worksheets that we have, the, the karaoke thing, it's, it is an element of fun, but it's more kind of like the worksheet we have where them preparing in between rounds and the night before what they're going to do to distract themselves and keep their mind off wrestling. The heart is more like in the moment. They know they're like, and we all know it's, it, it's meaningless, not meaningless like there's a subjective meaning there, but objectively, it's silly. It's, it means nothing, but that's the point. It's, it means something to them. They're having fun and they're enjoying it. That's right. All right. This is what I want to do. I want to go through our four mindset principles because you see them at play. Obviously, there's a reason why we made them. And when you watch the best in the world, right, they're embracing the, the mindset principles. So let's just go through them and then we'll talk. We'll see where that leads, you know, who we think about, what Olympians, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. So mindset principle number one, I'm thankful for the opportunity to wrestle. What are some initial thoughts um, on that one? I think David Taylor expressed it really well in his interview. I mean, he's thankful. He's grateful, right? Just you got to want it. I think uh, he embodies that really well. And Gable Stevenson. Yeah. Helen Maroulis, too. She came to wrestle. She didn't have to wrestle in this Olympics. Her legacy was safe. And then coming back after a loss and, and taking it, you're seeing these people smile. I mean, all the best. The people who are winning tend to be smiling. Yeah, I, don't want, I didn't want to skip ahead, but I, I look at Helen Rules for number three. I, I have no fear of losing or making mistakes, and I think about her because you think about the last Olympics. You, you really can't get much higher than that, right? She beat the legend in the Olympic finals. So it's like, where, where do you kind of go from there? And then with the last four or five years with her, like, you know, concussions and injuries, and is she going to wrestle? She wrestled, like, what was it, like a month and a half ago, and she was pinned in the tournament. So, like, a lot of ups and downs in the last five years, and it's Kind of knowing in the back of your mind, it's like, hey, there's no way you can repeat exactly what you did last time, right? Ooh. But what's that? Move on. He did it. Yep. Yep. So, but she goes out there. So it's like that shows that she's not afraid to lose. She's not afraid to make mistakes. 
Um, and, you know, it paid off. She was a bronze medalist. I thought she had an awesome tournament. You know, she lost a really tough one um, earlier on, and, and she came back and battled for third. So she's one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. Also. Yeah, the other one, if we're talking about principle number three, Jakara Winchester, right? World champ last year, you yep. know, um, gets gets beat, and it wasn't necessarily the closest match. She didn't have her greatest performance, that's for sure. Fought back, got bronze, just continued to wrestle, bounce back from that. Definitely, you know, not afraid to lose or make mistakes. She just went out there, put it behind her, and kept going. Yeah, and also, so Ad- Adeline Gray, going back to mindset principle one, you know, she looked like, this year just was was really focused on enjoying the experience and being grateful to be out there. And I think that's the big difference between the last Olympic she was in and this one. It seemed like she was really looking to enjoy it, have fun with it, and, and stay in the moment. So, okay, mindset principle number two. I am aggressive and relentless. Thoughts? Gene, you're going first on this one because I got another one. Burroughs and Smith. The announcers. <laughs> <laughs> because you know what? You know what I like about it? John Smith is really about when the guy, when the guy gets it. To, first of all, they're always talking about scoring in the first minute and a half. They're always talking about that. And next, another thing that really makes them happy, if you're listening to them, is when the person gets on top and gets a turn. They're like, that's what I like to see. And they also like it. John Smith saying there was like 15 seconds left. The person was up by two points. I forget what match it was. In the in the in the half, and he's like, "You want to get one more of these takedowns and put it into four nothing into the into the half." It's like they're thinking about conversion. They're thinking about being aggressive. They're thinking about converting into back points, turns, and they're thinking about scoring at the end of periods. So I'm going to go with the announcers in this one, but all the athletes are embodying this. Gable Steveson putting up big numbers against good people. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty impressive. I mean, I think I think the fact that uh, Snyder and Sajulai have both probably exhibit this. I mean, you just watch him when they walk on the mat, and I, I think, I think Sajulai's first match, you could just see in his opponent as he walked out there, just was not necessarily excited to compete against him. And these are, and his quadrant was like the quadrant of death. Like those, there were several world medals, Olympic medals. That was a tough one. But both those guys, and I think it's one of the reasons everybody's so excited to see them in the finals. They're very dominant. They're very aggressive. They're not on the mat to play, right? They're, they're, they're out there to break people, score points, and do whatever they want. But I think we'd be remiss to to miss Thomas Gilman with this. I was gonna that's who I was gonna say. He was he was a man on fire, man. He was just he doesn't look like a fun guy to wrestle. Constant no, he does not. constant <laughs> attack. Even if he's not attacking the leg, you know, he's digging under hooks, he's driving forward. He's aggressive. He's relentless. Yeah. I was watching, I was watching one of his interviews last night from like all his it says the best of Thomas Gilman. I was watching it on flow. And I was cracking up even as I was going to sleep. I was about to fall asleep and I laughed out loud, or he's like that's not being that's not being aggressive. That's being dirty. You're pulling me in the face. You want to box? You want to fight? Let's take it outside. No one will know. So he wasn't even a <laughs> guy who just likes to fight. That's great. Yeah. So all right, back to back in order. Number three, no fear of lo- I have no fear of losing or making mistakes. One of the, one of the things that one of the stories that I tell to pretty much any wrestler that I've ever worked with is the the David Taylor story of he he told this right after he won his first NCAA title that he remembers when he was in Fargo, he was in Greco, he was winning 9 nothing. So imagine being up, I think he was going for his first Fargo title, he's winning 9 nothing. he's still attacking, still attacking, looking to score and put the match away. He gets headlocked and pinned, you know, for, especially for a young wrestler, that's, that's heartbreaking. That's, that's, a, that's a key moment right there, and that's an easy time for somebody to say, 
I'm never going to do that again. I'm, I'm going to be up 9 nothing, and I'm just going to circle and back up. Right? But he had a great coach. He didn't say who the coach was, but a coach went up to him and said, you know, that, that attitude is going to get you very far. Don't, don't ever stop attacking. You know, I know it hurts. I know that it's, it's a rough loss. But never stop it. Att- you know, obviously, one should know to in- attack intelligently, be intelligently aggressive. But at the same time, don't let off the gas. And so this was the first thing that he said after he won his first NCAA title against, uh, I think, Hatchet back in the day. And, and he won like 21 to 6. It was a tech fall. And I think, thank God he had a good coach who's telling him that because, I mean, he's, he's done that. He's definitely done it ever since. And it paid off. I mean, the first three matches, all tech falls. And then the last match, if he doesn't have that pace and that aggressiveness the entire match, he probably doesn't get that takedown with, you know, 10, 15 seconds left. So just not afraid to lose, not afraid to make mistakes. And, you know, he got scored on a few times and, and that's going to happen, right? We can't be afraid to can't be afraid to lose. We can't be afraid to make mistakes because otherwise what the great John Wooden said, if you're not making mistakes, you're, you're probably not making much of anything, right? The team that makes the most mistakes actually usually wins because they're, they're getting after it. And Adeline Gray, too, you know, had an incredible performance. Obviously, Silver was not what she necessarily came for. But, you know, her match, she gave up points by attacking. And I I know for myself, anytime I've lost matches, if I put myself out there, I felt not necessarily great about it, but better about it than if I felt like I didn't do anything. She put herself in positions to win. Sometimes when you attack, it doesn't necessarily go your way. But that takes you a lot further than if you hold back, you never take those shots. Just the amount of live reps you get on great wrestlers if you continue to attack is huge long term, right? And, uh, you know, I know if you watch Penn State, this is traditionally kind of how they wrestle. Lots of attacks, lots of offense. You know, and Adeline Gray went out there, hit her, hit her, hit her takedowns, and sometimes you just slip or you, uh, it just doesn't work out like you want it. But uh, you got to be able to pull the trigger. Yeah, I think it's a lot easier to live with that. When it's like, if, if, I, if I'm going to lose, you know, do I want to be the, the guy that lost or the, the lady who lost and didn't attack? Or, you know, I went for it, I just, you know, whatever. Slip, didn't finish the takedown. Hats off to them for good defense. Um, I'd rather err on the side of, of being aggressive. And like you said, you just learn and develop much quicker that way because you're in more positions, you know, so you have the opportunity to grow. All right, last mindset principle. I never, ever give up. Ah, ooh, probably the Greco team. And um, I think the whole thing is, it's, I mean, they, you have to address the elephant in the room there with so much success in freestyle, so much success with the women. And it's like, we're just not getting it done in Greco. And it's not that we don't have good people. It's just there's, you know, obviously around the world, our, our style of wrestling, folk style doesn't translate well to Greco. I think it's probably a lack of heroes. And we have heroes in Greco-Roman wrestling. They tend to be upper weights. We need some lower weight middleweight, lower middleweight studs who are fun to watch. So, I mean, you know, you have people going to different countries to compete, kind of going to the path of least resistance in a certain sense. Well, if you want to be an American superstar uh, Olympian, probably your path of least resistance is going Greco. Um, and and remember, the, the, those guys are crazy, man. It's like a fight out there. They're just constantly bashing and slamming each other because there's not a whole lot of, wait a minute. There is a lot of technique. That's not what I'm saying there. But the point is that they're, you know, when you're going up against a good guy and you can't leg attack, there's very few things you could really do with a guy who knows how to counter. So it becomes a bashing, head smashing fight. So, yeah, I, I think uh, sometimes I think about Greco as it's it's chess, but you remove half the board. 
right? There's a lot less openings, right? And the way they're doing. And you look at freestyle. We're having a lot of success with freestyle. Where are we still the weakest? I think it's pretty easy to see. It's parterre, right? And, you know, if you watch the Greco guys, um, you know, the parterre is one of those that we didn't score as many points as a lot of our opponents. A lot of those matches, if you get a turn, it opens things up a lot. Um, and, you know, I think with doing folk style so long, and every time we have the Olympics or Worlds, I see posts on Facebook or social media about should the U.S. wrestle folk style ever? Um, and I think the fact that we wrestle folk style um, makes it a little tougher for us to do Greco. Um, and, and I think the parterre piece is across the board, something that could be could be worked on there. As far as an individual for never, ever giving up, I think it's hard to not go with Gable, right? Down by what, four points with like 40 seconds left. You know, it was very clear that Georgian was going to try to try to get him in positions where the clock would run out. And several times we'd get in positions where he could just grab a leg and just hang on, look like he's doing enough for the ref to keep it going. You know, down by, you know, needing a takedown with six seconds left and Stevenson gets it done. It just and super impressive. Just kept his head the whole time. Never panicked, never worried. Just uh, kept kept going out there and believing that he could make it happen. Yep. John's got to go back to John Smith again. He knew he was going to be in for a dogfight. He's like, he hasn't really been tested. He's like, he's going to be tested in this one. He's like, I think he's going to really have to dig deep. And we saw what he was made of. He was all blood and guts at the end. You know, you just never give up. Six, six and a half seconds for, for a takedown, especially at heavyweight. Really, really difficult thing to do. And, you know, to do that with like less than a second left, that's just awesome to see. Yeah, so he yeah, won three gold worlds in a row. So should should he keep wrestling or does he go to WWE now? What do you guys think? We'd all love for him to stay in wrestling, but you got to take the money if it's there. But remember, the money's not necessarily there. Um, you don't automatically come out win a gold, and now they offer you a six, a six or seven figure contract. We know they're making cuts. We know they're making cuts to WWE because we're in bad times. We're in bad economic times. Um, and those guys tend to have a long career. So Gable Gable Stevenson. Keep keep wrestling. Put yourself. Maybe he could do both. Maybe he'd be one of the people who does both. Ken Shamrock was UFC and WWE, and so is Brock Lesnar. Yep, yep. And you know, he's, also the, young, he's also young enough that, like, you know, I don't know. We could see him go on a couple different adventures. Could we see him maybe leave the sport and either do football or do uh, MMA or or even do uh, WWE, and then all of a sudden we have a 28, 32-year-old Gable Stevenson coming back to win another gold at the uh, the end of another career, or in the middle of it. Who knows? He's, he's obviously very talented. Um, you don't often see a heavyweight that is able to dominate so many wrestlers. I think he only, other than the finals, he didn't give up any points, which is really yeah. impressive because he was not wrestling easy competition. And that flip, those flips that he's doing, they're not standard flips. If you notice, it's more like a layout. In other words, his feet are staying tight. His his feet are staying still the whole. He's not bringing his knees up to his chest. He's going straight over with his feet. His his legs are straight. He's quite the athlete. And then I would say on the not quitting side, going back to mindset principle number number four, uh, I'm thinking more maybe on the resilient side. But you go back to Dake and Gilman and Helen Maroulis, and it's just it's so hard to do that. You know, like you're there to win. You're really there to win. It's not just like I hope I win a gold medal. And and I'm sure there's a lot of people there that are hoping that they get a medal, hoping that they win a gold. But these people are really there with a goal to win the Olympic gold medal and to to come up short, you know, in different ways. Dakes was, you know, he got teched. Gilman was at the last couple seconds, right? Ellen Marulis was towards the end. So it's, you know, difficult things. But, you know, they bounce back like champions. And that's why 
that's why they are who they are, you know? Yeah, and even these last two weeks uh, that haven't finished yet, I mean, heartbreaker for Hildebrandt, losing, getting thrown with, like, four seconds left. She dominated the whole match. Again, if you look back at aggression, she kind of pulled off the uh, the gas that last period. Um, and then, you know, Snyder. Snyder got pinned against Sajulai pretty quickly the last time they competed. And I think it's just, you know, important one to notice – you know, a guy like that, you can't let that get to you. You can't give up and just think that this guy's better than you. Um, otherwise, it could break you as a wrestler. I think I think this is the best Snyder we've ever seen. And I think it's the best Sajulayev. So I'm just excited for the match tomorrow. Yeah, we'll, we'll do a, a separate podcast on that and maybe another recap of the Olympics. What, what should their mindset be going into this this next um, this Olympic finals, right? I mean, it might come down to that, the, the unofficial team score, right? There's no official team score, but... I think I think they're pretty close where it, it may come down to that. What's the mindset going into this match? Or what should the mindset be for really for both athletes? Do do what you do. I mean you get one go around at the Olympics. So I mean of course you 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 don't you don't do anything stupid, but that's not what you, your primary focus can't be doing anything stupid. You know that already. Get to your offense because you know, anything could happen and it happens in a flash. And the last thing you want to do is look back and say, man, I left something on the table. Go after it and do it. Snyder knows where he's good. Sajulayev knows where he's good. Get out there and make it happen. Yeah, I, I always think back to rule on, you know, beating uh, Karelin, um, you know, decades ago. But, um, you know, make the match small, right? Wrestle in 15-second in- inter- increments. Don't focus on the win or the loss. Don't focus on the long, long, long match. Focus on 15 seconds, position after position. Um, you know, you even hear it from the coaches. It's pretty cool without the fans. And, you know, I was listening without the broadcasters. You can hear the coaches coaching. And usually what you're hearing, I mean, this is an Olympic level, and you think maybe you're getting some intricate stuff. And really it's, hey, hold a stance. Win the next position, right? Get to the next score. It's the most basic coaching in the world, which is – you know, what these guys should focus on as they go out there. Keep it small, focus on, on a, a spot, focus on the next score, focus on the next position or, or control tie you're looking for. All right, you heard it from the mindset experts. Let's uh, let's finish it there. Let's We will recap after Snyder Sajulayev. Hopefully we have some good news. It won't be news for you, but we'll have a good recap of that. And, um, yeah, we'll see everyone soon. USA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.